Welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Gosofsky here as usual with my favorite co-host, Courtney Small. Hello. How are you doing today? Great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks. Good. Okay. So you're going to start us off. We're going to do a bunch of reviews of things that are coming out, uh, new releases. So you're going to start us off. Um, yes. Well, we both saw this one, so... Yeah, we both saw a film that's going to come out on VOD and digital this week, and it's called Nemesis. And it was directed by James Crow, and it is a British gangster film where you have this, I guess you could say, aging gangster uh, by the name of John Morgan, who has made his career off of buying and selling things on the black market and is living a good life, but he's been abroad for several years away from his home in London. And when he returns for a business trip and to visit his daughter, the past comes back to haunt him in, in various ways. And it is a film that wants to both be a kind of classic British gangster flick, um, you know, delve into, I guess, many of the tropes of the genre, but also be one of those kind of new age, cutting edge films where things happen that you don't expect. But I, I don't think it works as well as the director would hope. Uh, for, for me personally, it felt like a lot of scattered ideas that don't quite mesh. Um, and it impacts the tone of the film. It impacts the, the pacing, especially. Because, uh, you know, you have... Morgan going through these things as the past is kind of coming back to him. But one of those individuals is a alcoholic cop who has a personal vendetta and has been trying to basically arrest Morgan for, for decades and for various reasons, but he can't get support from the force. So, you know, there's going to be at least one moment where he has to hand in his badge. And there's like a lot of those classic moments that occur. And I, I will say that, there, you know, there was a couple of twists and turns that I didn't see coming, but the way how they're handled, it, it it's not as interesting as it should be. I completely agree. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think to me, it felt like this director wanted, I, you, as you pointed out, he wanted to do too many things all in one film, and what what I ended up seeing was a bunch of shorthand. And some of that was, you know, the shorthand of these classic tropes, which are used like stereotypes. They're like cliches uh, because they're not fully developed. Nothing is fully developed. Everything um, just is thrown in and it just starts building and building and building together. They, you know, they the characters, what they're going through, uh, the storylines, and all the different elements are just starting to rev up and rev up and rev up. And it's like, it inst almost instantly hits this like really high pitch that it can't, there's nowhere to go from there. Um, and it feels like it just instantly hits this sort of pitchy, uh, empty level um, because there's no context, there's no background. It's like, like I said, like he's doing shorthand, like he thinks, uh, and I'm not trying to put thoughts into James Crow's head, but it's almost like, like there's this expectation that, oh, you know this scenario, so I don't have to develop it. You know this scenario. I know, but there's all this, it's a thriller, 
right? So there's all this tension that builds and builds and builds. But without the context, I don't care. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem is that there's all these people and all these things that come into play. And I felt like a terrible human being because by the end of it, I didn't care. It was just, please put me out of my misery. I I just, I don't know. I just don't know what this is. And um, just before we started uh, recording, there's something that I don't know. It's like there's something I saw on Wikipedia about the film that gives me a slight insight into how I felt, okay? And it says that uh, the the actor who plays John Morgan, the main the main criminal that we're we're watching, the man who's passed, catches up to him. The the actor who played him is Billy Murray. And he was in the BBC soap opera, long running BBC soap opera, EastEnders. I've never seen soap operas, but I know, you know, we all know soap operas. And he said that he, the character in the film, John Morgan, is in the mold of the character he played in EastEnders. And I thought, well, that's it. It started to feel like a crime thriller soap opera. You know, it just had that atmosphere. And it had that atmosphere because you they threw in these crime thriller elements, but it never about but like the like I said, when it never built up any sort of context, that meant stylistically as well. It it's not like it developed a sort of noirish atmosphere or anything to give us a context for this. And so therefore, yeah, it's yeah. It, like a soap opera. Yeah, it definitely assumes that you have a lot of information that is missing. Like there's a lot of relationships, um, whether it be business or personal, that you get one or two lines about that establish the tension. But the deep rooted nature of it never fully comes across because by time you really get to soak that in, the tone has already shifted to something else. Um, you know, you're in certain scenes that don't mesh well together. So especially by the time it gets to its end, when things really get to a peak and you could say chaos is, is raining down on the Morgan clan. Yeah. A lot of the things happen that you go with well, that doesn't, quite makes sense because we haven't been with these characters long enough to to care for their play or to understand the full weight of the actions and you know you're left in a i guess a a sea of gray by the end because even the characters that are i guess in theory you're supposed to be interested in you don't really care about like you know the the cop conway yeah I, i didn't really feel much for him Regardless, so you know, as things play out, you're you're watching, you're just watching events unfold without really feeling fully invested. You've you've already checked out by the time the the final credits hit. Absolutely, yes, that's exactly how I felt. So that's um, Nemesis, the British crime thriller by James Crow. And you saw one that was slightly more upbeat. Yes, to change the tone completely. I saw this documentary uh, called For Mad Men Only, The Stories of Dal Close. And Dal Close was, quite honestly, 
he seemed like a madman. I didn't know him personally, but um, he seemed like a madman. And the film certainly builds up this sense of this, this uh, driven, obsessed individual who uh, really just wanted, you know, to see his vision through. Um, and um, Del Close basically was this improv guru and he was a, leg a legend. He was a legend uh, for the work that he did and for the people that he trained. He, he trained uh, so many comedians that we have all come to know and love uh, in the late 20th century, especially, so the, especially his, the focus on, uh, not on him, that's the thing. The focus never was on him. But we saw like the fruition of, of his work, of his investment in these people when Saturday Night Live came. When Saturday Night Live came, some of his best students, all of a sudden they went there. And that, so that's where you saw John Belushi and, you know, people like that. And, um, and all the way up to Tina Fey. So there's so many people and the film goes through so many people that he trained and it it's it does a, a really close look at the man himself and his influence uh, and the the really good thing about the documentary is that it it takes its time to to build up this this completely playful almost improvisational style of its own um in the sense that he's he's got like well, the director has got like comic book type scenes and imagery. They they use cutout animation. They mix it with old archival footage. So you can see John Belushi on stage way, way, way back, you know, when they were all trying to make this improv work. Um, and it's mostly like a rough aesthetic, which also matches the subject because uh, all the footage you see of Dal Close, like he's not, he doesn't try to be mainstream. He, does, he like, this is like all underground stuff, uh, good in underground stuff. And it, it really matches this sort of, it, the film goes through and tries to recreate his, his drive, his energy and his, his vision. And his vision was one where you could put anyone in a, in an improv situation with certain you know keywords that that's how improv works and you have certain rules and then anyone could make something really interesting out of it and that this was how you could examine the human condition right and or comment on things or you know and the film shows you like how that sort of had like uneven results and it brings up questions about, well, do you really need, um, can it, can that really work with just anyone? Or does it work better when you have these brilliant talents like John Belushi? Was that a one, you know, it's John Belushi and his ilk, right? And his contemporaries, like, does it really work when, work best when, you have crazy people of that caliber. And I say crazy in a, in a good sense, like crazy as in like they are mad men and mad women too, because they put their all just into making people laugh. Right. And in just making a moment comedic and making it work. 
Um, so yeah, it's it's fascinating on all sorts of different levels. It's not completely successful, you know. It has it has its moments um, because it's it's poignant and it's funny and it's like it's got problematic parts and so it's like a, but it's like a no holds barred look at this individual who was really you know at the center of so much and the sad thing was that he he never himself personally got the recognition and the fame that his students did and sort of that relationship of you know what happens when the student surpasses the teacher oh that sounds so, very interesting yeah yeah so and that's going to be um today is gonna it, it's on available today through hot dogs Di digital and and hot dogs digital is a national thing now so oh that's great yeah so that's good and then so you saw some stuff yeah I'll, some stuff. I'll end off with two that um i didn't realize this until i was preparing talk about today that both feature Alex Wolf and he is a young talented actor that um, I guess most people would probably remember from the Jumanji movies or if you saw the horror film Hereditary I believe he's in that as well but he's in um, two I would say fairly high profile films that have just opened up in theaters this past week uh, one is a little indie film called Pig which stars Nicolas Cage and Nicholas Cage plays a reclusive truffle hunter whose beloved truffle pig gets um, kidnapped. And he basically goes on a vengeful path back to the city of Portland, where he was once a famous chef to find this pig. And it's a very interesting film because it, it basically a lot of it takes place in the, I guess, seedy underworld of Portland where they have like the restaurant industry's old version of fight clubs and just a lot of shady individuals going on. And I know it, it sounds crazy. It, it almost sounds like the premise for a, a John Wick movie where you think <laughs> it's going to be nonstop action, but it's actually a really profound film about grief, masculinity, um, just like it, it is, it is a film that is surprisingly emotional but in a, in a very good way, it's a quiet film as much as you know, the build up, there are some, there's some moments of violence early on, but when you realize like it, it really is just a, a quiet film and it's, it really looks at food, grief, how we, you know, adapt to the changes in society. And Nicholas Cage is, is phenomenal in, in the film. And Alex Wolf plays his, I guess the, person that buys the truffles from him that inadvertently becomes his driver and reluctant sidekick on this quest. Um, so there's a whole bonding arc between them and Alex Wolf's character is living in the shadow of his father. Um, and he's trying to be a successful businessman while also trying to hide the pain of the past. So it's, it's a really good film. I don't want to give away too much about it, but it's, it's, it's a surprising film. It's not what you think it's going to be. Um, can I just ask uh, a bit more about Nicolas Cage's performance? Uh, I'm not a super fan of Nicolas Cage. So, and in fact, sometimes um, I find that his performances are a bit much. Uh, mm -hmm. He's a bit much. 
so when I, I heard that this, you know, you're saying it's a quieter film, I'm just wondering how, if you could just tell us a bit more yeah, about No, I, I completely understand. I have a, a similar kind of love-hate relationship with, with Nicolas Cage and his style. I think, I forget, he's been quoted as calling it um, Western Kabuki, where he, he goes very big and broad and, and loud, whereas this one, it's, I almost want to say like leaving Las Vegas style cage like just really you know he's just a sullen man like in demeanor and everything he doesn't raise his voice too often he delivers some deadpan lines that are 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 comical but would come across as ridiculous if he was doing it in the style that you're kind of used to but him doing this thing and you know going around saying you know i want my pig and whatnot and just like a deadpan voice it it works like he he pretty much restrains all the the cageisms that you would expect and and reminds you that he can you know he can be a versatile actor that's when the, when the material is is good so he's he's one that i think we'll have a lot of people talking about like the more this film gets out so yeah that's pig it's in theaters now it's definitely one to see uh, the other alex wolf um, film that I saw was M. Night Shyamalan's new thriller, Old, uh, which I wasn't as keen on as some some other critics were. Um, it's been getting a lot of mixed reviews, and I, I can understand why. It's a, it's a film about this family who go to this resort for vacation. Um, it's supposed to be like the last kind of happy family vacation because you find out that the mother has um, a tumor that's going to be like a life ending tumor. And as while they're at the resort, they hear about this really nice secluded beach where they plan to go spend the day. And once they get there, they start to realize that this beach isn't quite what it seems and that everyone who's on it starts to age at a, at an accelerated rate. So for every half hour on the beach, they've aged a year in their life. Um, and of course, panic sets in a lot of, crazy supernatural things start to happen as they figure out that they can't leave the beach the way they came in. Um, and obviously for the, the children on the Island, you start, you see the change the, the most uh, it's, it's a film where it's a very interesting premise. It's, it's a, it's a great premise. It's based off of the graphic novel sandcastles. Um, but there's something in the execution where similar to how we were talking about nemesis, where there's like a lot of ideas that don't quite flow. Yeah. Same thing occurs here i i say this is a better film um compared to nemesis but yeah there's just a lot of beats that don't quite work some of the characters are interesting some aren't some of the reactions because like, i know everyone's kind of in a panic state but there's some characters that literally just kind of get dropped for portions of the film you know are off wandering some other place of this small cove and then they come back and something happened like you know there's there's there was better ways to handle this material and for a film that's very much about family and how in life we tend to to waste time on things that aren't important and get caught up in in things that aren't as important as we make them out to be in our heads i felt like there was better ways to tackle those themes than this film does um mm -hmm. and then uh, you know the ending there's several turns and the ending takes a turn as well that could be either satisfying or completely ridiculous depending on your your view of it so and what what was your view so uh, ridiculous. Uh, i would say a little ridiculous because 
the to me the ending opened up a whole slew of questions that i don't think the film really wants you to to contemplate um and so yeah I, that's that's what i'll say about that but you know it's in theaters now so if you if, if you're a fan of m night Shyamalan, you know go give old a watch i have another question about sure. m it's actually a question about m night Shyamalan. i haven't heard a lot of good stuff usually in reviews for a long time of any of his films is there a point at which what was the last one you liked um if i could ask that i i didn't mind split um with james mcavoy as the the man with i think 22 different personalities and i think part of that's because of mcavoy's performance i find that and I'll be honest, out of out of his canon of films, there have probably been about three that I've that I've really enjoyed. I know films like The Village and Lady in the Water have been have become retroactively praised. There's like a, a large following of people now who, you know, after the hype has died down, after set of theaters have have gone back and said, no, The Village is actually a great film. I'm not one of those people. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people who I would say are, I guess, M. Night Shyamalan apologists or, or just just fans. I was, they're fans who who think he's got a he's had a bummer out. But I think there's aspects to his films that I find intriguing. He always has a great premise. It's just I don't find that the execution is is always there for me. So I, I like Split. I liked Unbreakable. I liked um, The Sixth Sense. I wasn't a fan of Signs. I know a lot of people were. I, mm. you know, I think half of Signs is really good. And then the other half to me is a bit of a mess. But again, I'm in the minority. So I may I not be the, the best judge. Oh, maybe you are for that film. But I yes, for that film. you are for his body of work. Um, it's because it's just something that I've been aware of. And other people are starting to note that... Um, he keeps getting money to make these big movies and well his films do make money um and i know the last one uh glass which was the i guess the final film in the the unbreakable trilogy so that was unbreakable split and glass that made that was a huge hit that made a lot of money for its relatively small budget and a lot of people really like that and again I, there's aspects of that film that i enjoy and then there's parts like i i he's a guy that knows how to create a premise like he his ideas are great he he comes up with films where on paper if i hear i'm like yes i definitely want to see that i just find his execution um he i think he his style needs to be reined in a, a bit more it hasn't mm -hmm. been as tight as it was in his earlier works interesting you know what you just inspired me to to, to say something um about blockbusters like theaters are open now there seem to be a lot of blockbusters at movie theaters and people are going to that. I understand why the theaters are full of blockbusters is, is, you know, they make the money. That's a summer thing to do. Yeah. Um, studios want money. Yeah. Theaters needs some of them need to make money. Right. Um, and it's, it's an easy way to get the audience back in. Um, but I just, uh, wanted to mention quickly a film that we've been, you know, we mentioned this before, like a couple of times, this film, because it played at TIFF last year. Um, someone was, I, I, on Facebook, someone was, you know, mentioning 
that it's all blockbusters and what else is there to see? And I realized that this is one of the few films. Um, it's Canadian. It's called Beans by Tracy Deer. Um, and it's one of the few films that is, is at a theater. So you can have the theater experience and you should with this film. It's beautiful. It's powerful. Um, and it's at play, only playing at the Varsity in Toronto, as far as I know, like in terms of the Toronto area. Um, so I just wanted to mention that film just in case mm -hmm. people, you know, we're looking for something different. And if, uh, if you haven't heard uh, me going on and on about this film, it won a can the Canadian Screen Award for Best Film, um, which is like our Oscars. So that that's significant, but also, you know, it's a lot of critics love this film. Yeah, it's great reviews. Yeah, and it's like because it, it's it's such a powerful film. As I as I mentioned, it's uh, based on Tracy Deer's own experiences as a young girl. It's a coming of age story. Um, so she was a young girl uh, coming of age during the Oka crisis, and it's from the perspective of her family and her community, and uh, the, the kind of you know, racism and backlash they faced in the mostly white community uh, and how that could affect, you know, a young girl's self-esteem, how many factors. Uh, it's like I said, it's it's powerful because it's like, it's not simplistic. It's very, it's more complicated, but it's incredibly well put together um, and it just absorbs you. So, uh, beans yeah look for that film yeah definitely want to check it out yeah okay so that looks like that's all for frame line for this week thanks for listening <laughs>